Who the bloody hell's that? Should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. Hello and welcome to Chapter 60 of the Corona Diaries. and it's a bit of a special occasion. It's a special occasion because it's the evening. Um, so we're going to get a bit giddy. But it's a real special occasion because we've got a very special guest. So I'll start off by saying hi to H. H, how are you? Oh, yes, hello. Oh, I'm very well. I'm very excited having the special guest and all. Well, I'm I'm very excited having the special guest as well. Um, particularly because I, I don't know whether to see how good your impression of him has been over the previous shows and whether we might ask you to do the impression live. You know the kind of thing they do on Parky, where they get somebody to do the impression in front of the person? We might have to do that. I can't do it in front of him, Anthony. And I've probably given it away already, but our special guest is none other than Dave Megan. Uh, Dave, how are you? Uh, very well, thank you. Uh, yeah, and you've already surprised me because you're wearing a Leeds United shirt. Yes, I've been a fan since childhood, uh, mainly because players like Johnny Giles, who was captain of Ireland and also played for Leeds, and so it was the first team I came, became aware of. So I uh, have always been a fan, even when they sort of fell out of favour. Whoops, I've just unplugged myself. They were a bunch of dirty buggers. I'll say that while he hasn't got his headphones. (laughs) Back on. (laughs) I mean, as far as I'm concerned, they've probably only just come back into favour, haven't they? Or or have they been back in favour for a while? Last year was pretty impressive as well. It was. You know, getting qualified for the, the Premier League. Yes, and obviously, and obviously, with your current midfielder lighting up the England side, everybody's uh, everybody's everybody's talking Leeds, aren't they? Yeah. But we'll get off sport and we'll get back to, uh, to to matters in hand. But lovely to see you. Thanks for finding the time. It's great. I uh, haven't got a clue where we're going to go as yet, but it'll be um, it'll be entertaining, even if it's not structured, <laughs> which is the, the best we can hope for. I anyway, find that's generally the case. <laughs> before we start, a little bit of quick housekeeping. So, H, we, we actually recorded on Monday. We recorded what we thought was potentially going to be episode 60 on Monday, didn't we? Are you going to um, try and explain this to the I'm listeners? I'm going to try and explain it. Because yeah. I can't understand it, and I was there. So <laughs> no, got no, no. So we recorded on Monday with what we thought was going to be 60 because we didn't know if Dave was going to be available. Dave's mm. now available, so you're mm. listening to 60, and you know that because I've announced it already. Next week, you're going to get 61, which might be in, which might say on it that it's 60. So, yeah. And, yeah. and that's all I'm going to say to you. Yeah. It's a little bit all over the place. What it also means is there's not going to be any diary tonight because tonight's just going to be the three of us chinwagging about Marillion facts, stories and bits of goss. So we might take a little bit of a pause halfway through, but ultimately it's just chat for the next hour as a bit of a special for 460. Right. Have you all got that? Brilliant. In which case, I'm going to start first question to Dave, which is pre-H's time. Um, First time you were involved with the band really was... Uh, the recording sessions for Fugazi. Fugazi. Yeah, yeah, at Sarm East. Well, it started at Sarm East and then it migrated to Wessex, Marquis, I think, briefly. Uh, oh, where else? But it was, it was, yeah, it was a long, intense haul. I don't think I slept on any of it. <laughs> no, I, th- I think Rothers said that, that, that yeah. or, or Ian, that they kind of, they kind of did the best to break you. Yeah, yeah, but uh, no, didn't didn't succeed that time. But, uh, no, it took marbles to do that. <laughs> so I was thinking about it because obviously, are you the are you the the sort of common denominator then of albums running on sprawling on for ages? Because Fugazi went over, didn't it? Fugazi didn't get oh, delivered yeah. kind of when it should have been. Yeah, because I think it was even quite over when they started at SARM and right. it was meant to be like the final voc- vocals and overdubs, but uh, it wasn't. 
and they just seemed no. to go on. And uh, yeah, and every day there was always a panic about booking a studio because Sam wasn't available for the whole stint. Mm. So then there was this panic that somebody was trying to book a studio for the next day. But no one was bearing in mind that, okay, you book another studio where somebody has to get all the gear, the tapes, everybody to their studio in in six hours. That was quite intense. Right. I was a lot slimmer then, though, so it it was a lot easier. (laughs) By the end of it, yeah, probably. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So you're involved in Fugazi. Fugazi runs, runs over. Um, Marillion then starts to get a reputation from EMI of, of you know of not delivering things on time, yes. and then they recommend you for Brave later down the line. Is that right? Was it EMI that put the yes in the frame for Brave? Yeah, because yeah. it, it was Nick Mander's idea. Because right. I'd been doing like a demo and some of the new artists he was signing, and uh, he, he kind of liked what I was doing, but um, I don't I don't know if he'd mentioned who he mentioned at first. To the band or to me? I'm not, I can't remember that. But um, Well, he was a born liar, so whatever he said to you is probably not what he said to, said to you. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no, so I was intrigued. And even it wasn't until the first meeting when I came out with Nick Manda that I actually told him in the car, that, oh, I, I worked on Fugazi, which he wasn't aware of at all. Right. So I don't think that was a factor. Well, I don't think that was a major factor in his thinking at the time. Right, so what that didn't involve joining the two the, the two of you together again, but you that was something in your past, but but not part yeah, of the decision. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And my wife did work for EMI at the time as well. Right, and uh, that was the other link. Manda was probably in nappies when Dave was oh, yeah, he for was. Gazi, so he probably <laughs> wasn't that so. aware. Of it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> right. So the first time you met then was. You told him in the car that you'd worked with the band before on the yeah. way to probably meet Steve for the first time. Is that right? Well, the whole band. Oh, right. but yeah, of course, Steve for the first time. But yeah, and, uh, right, yeah, and that was that was Racket, was it? Yes, the old Racket, not the new, not the current one. It was right. sort of just around the corner a bit, right, and okay. smaller. So yes. go on then. First impressions of Age. Oh no, I was really impressed because a he especially when he start explaining the whole concept of Brave, that sort of lit a fire for me because ever since I was very young. I always liked albums having themes and stories. And uh, it, it, to me, it just it takes it from being a two-dimensional album in, into a three-dimensional. Mm. So it's, it's really exciting. And you're, you're, you're now, from this point on, painting pictures. It's not just getting the best of a song. You're sort of having to create a d- definitive mood and picture, which has always been really exciting for me. Right. So I'll, I'll bring you in then, H, at this point. So... Uh, when you two first met, you were able to articulate a reasonable amount of what Brave was ultimately going to be. Yeah, I could articulate in those days. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, what was the question? You were able to articulate Brave at that point in time. So the first time you two met, you were able to take him on a journey in terms of yeah. sketch out what Brave was going to be. I guess so. I mean, it was quite, you know, it was quite simply the the preamble that everybody knows that the, the about the appeal on the radio and the girl on the yeah. bridge and me hearing that and thinking, wow, wonder what's yeah. going on there. That'd be a great opening opening page for a, for a story. Um, and then sort of walking Dave through the song ideas we'd already yeah. had. Um, and which were from that point of view only really a starting point and uh, saying you know we thought we'd run with it from here what do you reckon and um, and uh, Dave is up for that and, and we did you know and then we wrote then we wrote a few more once Dave had got involved and we finished a few songs that were open you know I'd got beginnings and were a bit open-ended or had beginnings and endings and didn't really have a middle I remember The Great Escape we only had the sort of first verse of The Great Escape before we went off to Marowak and Dave put the rest together with us um, similarly with, with Brave, Brave didn't exist at all no. when when I rocked up. I just rocked up with some words that I'd written on the way there. And, uh, you know, then, then I spent several weeks in, in a room on my own with <laughs> things going, <"Nyeh,"> uh, <laughs> coming drone. out now. 
so there was, there was, you know, half of Brave was written altogether. We'd only sort of got a starting point, really. But, but I'd got the idea of the arc of some kind of a story, even if it was just postcards from a life mm-hmm. rather than... I mean, the, 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 there's always a danger with a with a story-based album that it turns into a musical. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't really like musicals apart from Oliver um as a as an art form and uh, i wouldn't want to make one i probably wouldn't be able to make one but i wouldn't want to either so so it being a sort of postcards from a life and you know make your own you for so the listener could make their own idea of what the overall story was and I think that that became a strength because the number of emails and letters I've had since of people who who felt like they'd lived that life themselves because we hadn't nailed it down. A lot of people found that it resonated with yeah. their own life experiences. Mm. So back to you then, Dave. So how how long do you recall being at Racket then, uh, as it before you went to Marowak? Ooh. Um, probably a month, two months. Right. It was, it, yeah, because January. Yeah, it must have been a month to six weeks, I think, initially. Right. Yeah, and that was, again, just finishing off some of the ideas. Uh, and a lot of, again, lots of jamming as well for other bits. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, it was about six weeks. Because the bulk of it would have been done in... Um, Marowat and Par Street in the end. Right. But you were capturing stuff at this time. You oh, were yeah, capturing yeah, right jams the and cataloging. Yeah, as soon as, I mean, one rule I learned early on in my day's training with Trevor Horn, where if someone's in the room, the red light should be on. You should always be recording. So that was annoying to some people, but it was essential because, especially with H, because he comes in someday and he'll be sitting really, so quietly at the piano, noodling on something. And you wouldn't hear it uh, unless you had a mic on. And those sort of bits can end up being the beginnings and ends of major parts of songs. So, yeah, we right from the minute of arrival, it's it's go from that point on. Mm. Basically, that's the way I viewed it. Right. So you, you so you came in, you heard the initial bits, and then essentially hit record and started capturing not only the things that already got, but then what was going on in the jams yeah, from then yeah. onwards. Yeah. It was, and also there was a, a sort of a demo mode part of it, which I, uh, was basically just trying to sketch up the songs to the best state they were at that point, knowing yeah. that in Marowat they could be taken further or more focused on, but just right. trying to get a format and a, of songs and also the, because what did start very early and it even started before I got there, Mark was doing was um, he he was taking Steve's idea of, of the girl on the bridge, but he was also already starting a running order for the tracks, right? Uh, and that was on a little board with little slips of paper, and that remained right till the very last day, and it constantly got changed. So everyone had a view of where this song was, what you know, what was before, what was after it, and uh, yeah, we had that right right from the very go, mm. even before all the songs were there. Right, so essentially the timeline for the album's been been laid out very early on. That must have helped in the writing process, I guess. Yeah, but we didn't follow the timeline. Yeah, we didn't <laughs> right, follow okay. it, but I guess we we felt slightly more secure that there seemed to be one. And I, I had all the lyrics to each song yeah. um, glued on the wall in my bedroom when I got to Marowak, so I had mm. to keep tearing them down and moving them around yeah, yeah. every time we decided on a difference in the running order so i could sort of sit on the opposite side of the room and read through all the words again and think okay that, right well that's gone over there now oh mm. that wouldn't make any sense now i'm gonna to have to write something so that it makes so that the fact that that arrives there now it makes some sense yeah um it it's always been a bit like that with marillion because we write by jamming um and i, I may have a lyric that everybody decides sounds great on a certain musical idea which they then put at the front of a song which is actually a lyric from the end of the lyric 
and now it makes no sense whatsoever. And I have to try and find a way to to write these stories backwards in such a in such a way that they make sense as if they were going forwards, which is sometimes a bit. You know, I, I tear my hair out, but I've, I'm getting better at it. But then I, <laughs> but then I am on antidepressants. <laughs> I'm a lot more easygoing. <laughs> I'm not, not passing comment. <laughs> so right, okay, and this is uh, this actually is really helpful because this fills in some of the bits where we've got to on TCD before and on some of the other. Because one of the things I've always found, particularly when you talk about Bravid, it's all set, a lot of it centers around France, as if France was this big period and there was no, almost nothing before and nothing after it. And actually, in reality, France was relatively short in in the actual process. Um, but everybody talks because of because of you know the chateau and everybody clearly everybody focuses on that um, that part of the story. But it's interesting that you know there's all, there's a month with you involved before you even go there. Yeah. Um, and so it's right to say you immerse yourself in these projects a little bit, don't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, we, with Bravey, we even went out to see this chateau before I went out with uh, John Arneson, um, Privet, I think it was, yeah, just to see it. And as soon as I saw it, I thought, you really don't want to, the, the weeks before we come out here, you don't want to kill the songs and overplaying them or whatever, because this is the place to capture the atmosphere, because yeah. it's just incredible, uh, visually, spiritually, every way. So, yeah, that, that, that was quite an important thing. And with a, a massive injection of sort of medieval ghostliness into oh, yeah, what, yeah. what we'd already got. You know, in the middle of the process, and then when we end, when we finished the album in Liverpool, by then the sort of medieval ghostliness had already made its presence felt, Absolutely. and so it was in the music by then. Yeah. So even yeah. though we didn't finish it at Marowat, the 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 die was cast yeah. in a way, yeah. and the, and and the way we were thinking about it, and the way we continued to work, even when we got somewhere else, was very much. Oh, that place still over is like a cloak, wasn't it? Because as, as well, the tr the track "Brave," which is in in my opinion the core of the whole album and the heart of the whole album in, in a lot of respects, that c couldn't have been recorded anywhere else. I can't imagine ever recording that at the Racker Club or Par Street. And I remember, uh, you still remember the night when Steve did the the vocal and the keyboards, uh, which everything else else follows, and. Uh, yeah, it's just very, very, very special. It's not. It wasn't just Steve doing a vocal or singing. It was also Steve sort of absorbing where he was and somehow incorporating that into the in, into how he was singing it. And I it couldn't was just have magical. written it anywhere else. You know, I, couldn't I was just have about written, to ask that. I couldn't could have it, could written it? the chords anywhere else because I wouldn't have been on that journey. Yeah, uh, I was in inside this, you know, stone, ancient stone edifice, and it was it was inside me. Um, mm. That that's that that's where that's, that that more Celtic approach came from. I was trying to trying to reach to something from way back somewhere you know from the stones as it yeah, were yeah. Uh, not the rolling stones <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> the stone. um and so it would never have been written anywhere else and then that beautiful um middle section where the girl oh, yeah, yeah, grows yeah. up was was all jammed in the in the big salon in Marowat. again that that never could have existed no, no. Had, had we tried to record it anywhere else it wouldn't have been what it was uh, and even, even bits like we did get the Steve's acoustic guitar, I think, in one of the turrets on the what would have been the wall out on the edge of the castle as well, a chateau, which had a very unique sound as well. And that that was, yeah, just it just sounded great just standing in the room with it. Every, with that song, everything just sounded great in the chateau. It was just like so at home. Mm. So the atmosphere and the spiritual, the spiritual core of the of, of the album definitely comes from there. Yeah, um, without a shadow. Are the, because of the way that you 
work because you catalog and capture everything because you're constantly looking for the best combinations of things to get the sound that I guess you must hear in your head how how debilitating is that as a process then I mean Steve's talked about you know he'd go for a he'd come and see you in the morning to say do you want me today and it'd be oh I might need you later and then by the end of the day it was well maybe come back tomorrow because I'm still immersed in in what I'm doing I mean, I mean, how debilitating was that as a, as a part of the process, being literally that deeply engaged in it? You know, on one level, yes, it is debilitating. But um, on another level, there's, there's like, for example, which is probably people might not even notice, but um, with Out of This World, the, the feel of the drums, uh, for me, was, was, was critical because the whole image of sort of a still lake, when Ian got it right, all the music sat on this lake, so to speak. But, but And Ian always played it great, but, but there was a certain feel that when he had it, it was almost, almost like the vocal. At that point, it, his role was important to kick everyone else off. So they all sort of knew where the ground was, so to speak. And uh, that I was obsessed with for ages trying to recreate what he'd done in the demo but also sort of lift it up a level as well so that the picture because it starts with the drums basically so the whole picture of this open sort of semi-foggy lake still water is is there from the word go even before steve even opens you know lets you know what the song is about which i'm really not great at because you know it's it's um any song about water it's it's it just comes naturally, mm. you know. It's just a, got a real talent for certain elements, and water is one of them. Mm. And death, and, and death. death. Yes, yeah. of course. De- death and water. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I mean, you've you've talked a little bit there about you know about about AOS. Obviously, we've got Brave. Brave's a thing. Brave. Um, you, you come back. You finish. You finish Brave at um, at Par Street, obviously, and then there's a whole journey as as that album's taken on the the road. And it's a it is a it's a you know it's a it's a I'm not going to say it's a, I don't mean it's a hard listen, but it's it's an album that that requires all of you, you know, to yeah. even to listen to. It's uh, it's a it's a really full on it's a, a full experience and, requ- and it requires you know. Um, your, your engagement, your emotional engagement when you listen to it. So, and then you did the recording of the of the live take as well, didn't you? The one that ultimately came out on on the Made Again album, a, a couple down the line. You, you oh yeah, you captured it live. I think, which I think was in Paris. I think we talked it was about in that. Paris. Yeah, La Cigale, in, um, yeah. La Cigale, was it? La Cigale. Yeah, 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 you, yeah. It was. You were outside in that mobile. Yeah, 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 yeah. And did you find it was easier to? I mean, I guess it must be. This is probably the, the stupidest question I've asked, but I'm I'm assuming it's easier to 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 start to capture that live, having been involved in the creation of the album in the first place. Oh God, yeah, especially an album like that because you know what's coming because it's not as if some of the changes are not subtle, and from a technical point of view, if you're if you're not ready, you can really mess it up hmm. or miss things and. Uh, but also they'd got to a stage of performing it especially um, quite well by that point. It was, they weren't learning how to play it. it. There was an element of that, but not how being a complicated album. But they'd got to a point where I think for the most part they could play without thinking too much. Mm. Maybe with the exception of Mark, because he had the most technical, I mean, he had to do a lot. Mm. Uh, but yeah. Um, was there any point when you were recording Brave, and I'm going to throw this one to H, that you started to think about how the hell are we going to recreate this live? Because I guess that wasn't any way near the thinking when you were when you were building the thing. No, I don't think I did think too much about that. I just thought, well, let's get it finished, and we'll worry about that then. There was an obvious worry, which is how am I going to sing this song called Hard as Love, which which is being sung by a girl. And it's quite an angry, nasty little song. And if if, if you put a male character if you in uh, behind the mic to sing that song, it becomes really quite unpleasant and nasty. Mm. So, I, I, you know, I remember thinking, I'm going to have to dress up. <laughs> um, <laughs> and... <laughs> 
<laughs> so I, I, I was contemplating, that was my biggest, you know, worry. Whatever will I wear? <laughs> <laughs> Why am I not surprised by that statement? Singer, isn't it? Singer. We, 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 have, <laughs> we have a different window on the world. <laughs> <laughs> so back to something else then dave that you that I've, I've read about with regard to you bringing to the to the table and bringing to the band and that's the whole concept of of the integrity of the performance rather than necessarily accuracy yeah um which seemed to be something that started being talked about a lot around that that, that yeah. period because often often with the band, the one thing I noticed was um, they had a tendency of hitting a moment where they understood what they were doing or what they were trying to create. And that would take a few moments to get to there sometimes and sometimes be straight in. But then they also had this destructive tendency to then analyse what they've just done and then decompose it. And in, in that way, you'd end up with a technically better part uh, but but emotionally, uh, it, it wouldn't have any of the any of the power, mm. and uh, that was a tendency that which made me unpopular quite a few times. But it's uh, like refusing to let people do other takes and things. It, but it, 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 it to me, it, yeah, that's the only way I could work, you know, mm. because it's it's a, and especially sometimes you have something in your head that you're hoping something they'll somebody will play or sing or do something specific and then when they do it it like it, it's, it's just a dream come true so you're, you're you're quite confident to say no you're not doing another take because it's like can't you see that you just hit perfection mm. you know it's like why why criticize it it's but, so yeah. much easier though to to listen to things and know that than it is to be at the giving end you know, um, I I don't know if anybody really knows. You know when they're at their best because it's down to the it's down to the witness of it who goes that was the moment there. You know, and they don't know it, but it it was. Um, and so whenever I mean we've talked about this amongst ourselves since. Whenever we were working with Dave. We, whenever we were recording a part with him, overdubs and things like that, we'd have a few goes at it and you, you, you'd get to that sort of third take where it's, oh, shit, I'm, I'm beginning to get my head around this now. I know what it's going to do. You know, so, oh, I know what chord's coming next. And he'd go, that's it. And you go, wait, <laughs> wait, I've only just figured it out. He'd go, oh, no, no, that was lovely. And you go, but, 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 but. And he'd be pointing at the door, you know. And you'd, <laughs> Yeah, so that true. was that thing, you know, of, of of the the tension of not quite knowing. David Bowie once famously said that the place you want to be, you want to walk into the water till your feet just don't touch, and that's the sweet spot. You know, like walking into the sea. Um, when you get to that place where your feet just don't quite touch when you're like whoa mm. you're in the ah area you're not yeah. drowning but you, you you're not quite standing up either and that's the place and I, th I think i think that's how it used to feel working with dave does that does that make you two kind of natural allies then in terms of because you know i've read a few bits about certain songs where you, you two have agreed about certain things um, you know, I mean, you've spoken H about Fantastic Place being something that you picked up on very early on, Dave, yeah, and thought that's yeah. a that's a tune. You know, this, I read something today in one of the sleeve notes that suggested that the version of Accidental Man, which could have made its way onto AOS, whilst some of the band liked it, you do you two weren't weren't mad keen. And talking a little bit there about you know this thing of capturing that thing before it becomes overplayed or over, saying, or overworked. We're certainly allies in the in the sense that we're both looking for something spiritual. We're yeah. both looking f for that balancing on the head of a pen thing that yeah. you, you know nobody can ever quite keep going for very long. But if you can if you can get it happening at all, then um, that's yeah. what you're after. Uh, whereas perhaps certain other members of the band are looking for the ultimate chord change. 
you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, and that's their job to some yeah, extent. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's what makes the band what it is. But in amongst all of that beard stroking and looking for the most amazing chord move, the, the, that's not the reason someone goes out and buys a record. They buy a record because they're moved, you know, or, or transported by the, by what it does to them. And that's the music as well as the words, but it has to... The words have to be allowed, or the message or the or the magic in it has to be allowed to to it has to be in there it has to be allowed to remain there whilst yeah. perhaps other people with other agendas are, are, are dotting other i's and crossing other t's that should be dotted and crossed but nonetheless you've got to remain aware of the the, the spiritual aspect of it and and i don't think I, don't, I mean, I think the point at which Dave started working with Marillion was the point at which um, that aspect of our music was something we really started to see as important and bring out. You could argue that, you know, love or hate, all the fish stuff, it wasn't, it wasn't too touchy-feely. You know, it was like an express train. Um, seasons end similarly, holidays in Eden similarly, but brave, then you're suddenly into this, this thing that isn't just about music. It's about feeling and atmosphere and ghostliness and things you can't nail to a wall, but the things that have to be sort of imbibed and felt for. Mm. Absolutely. So, because... Are you are you both people then that would almost beat something as well into submission when it when you felt the time was right and you needed to just oh, get yeah. there? Because I know H, you you know you'd be the kind of person that would sit at piano and you 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 work through until you got the party or you got fantastic place or you got whatever. Is that you as well, Dave? Are you that person that when you get in that moment, you then it's just like right? No, I know what I want. I've just, I just need to get there. I don't want to put it on the yeah. shelf and leave it for a year. I want to. I want to get there now. For the most part, but sometimes it's a matter of not not getting there; it's getting back there. Hmm. Is that um, you're you've heard something? Especially, it's it's the one of the evils of of, of jamming is that sometimes you can hear something, and it, it's very very special. Uh, be it especially vocal driven, say where it's. It, I've heard how Steve was singing something and I've heard how the words worked with him singing like that. Now it might even be against a different piece of music, but you're, you can struggle later on, but trying to get it back to that place. So that when it's in its final place, it still lights that first light that it lit for you originally. And that can be really frustrating trying to find some time. And the same with Rodri's guitar playing, you know, he can do, especially, you know, cause he can do something off the cuff. That's brilliant. He won't remember it. Uh, you have to try and coax him back into doing it. And again, that's going to take you a lot of time. You have to trick him into it. Sometimes, and it's not a matter of just staying on it for days and days and days. Mm. It, what it does mean is going back to it again and again and again mm. when the mood is right. You know, There's no point in just sticking at something. Uh, like like even with Brave, the, 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 we, we did a take of, or two takes of Brave every night at the Chateau. Uh, and that's it. But then when the, the right one came, Steve knew it and I knew it. Mm. And it was so obvious. We didn't have to go over it and over and over again for two days or anything. It was, But you do have to persist with, with the idea mm. over the whole shape of the time, really. Yeah, if I'd done ten takes of it, none of them would have been the one. So we would do two and then we'd leave it and then we'd do two the next night. And I think over a period of... I'd then got time in between the two takes uh, yeah, yeah. from my subconscious mm. to learn how to sing it, I suppose, and, and and what worked and what didn't work about the one the night before. And it's not a conscious learning process, but it most definitely is a learning process because you go back to things and that's, that's what practice is, I suppose. When yeah. It's returning to something that you couldn't do the day before only to discover that you can do it. 
because mm. something in your unconscious, subconscious brain has been has been working while you've been relaxing. Yeah. And also with that one as well, if I remember rightly, a difference about that day was that all the bands had come back. I can't remember if it was for a break or it was towards the end. But yeah, so the the, the chateau, there was hardly anyone in it. We were left on our own at the yeah, very end. Yeah. Everyone which, went home and we kept going. Which just amplified the whole ghostliness of it, really. Yeah. So something you had just said there then, Dave, about you'd hear something and and then you'd you'd almost have to take members of the band on a journey or the entire band on a journey to get to that place again. You you couldn't yeah. sort of sit and say, Right, I want you to do that. But you'd you'd put the various prompts and pointers in to, so that naturally you arrived at that place again. So that thing you'd heard, you you ultimately got. Yeah, because it's, it's not always just one thing. It's, um, it's say, for something Steve Rodery played. Well, I'm trying to get back to it, but it's not just because of what he played. It's also what everybody else was doing around him. Yeah. So it's a moment. It's not a particular thing. Yeah. His part will probably be the most major part of something for that one. But it won't work unless everything else is right. So sometimes it's it's trying to pull everybody in, mm. uh, which can be a bit more difficult. But then again, it can work the other way. If you if, so, if, if you suddenly get Ian on board and especially Pete on board, and they that will in itself inspire like Steve or Mark or whatever to go back to the original place. Because Pete Pete was brilliant at going back to the original place. He just have to listen to it once, mm. and he'd have it nailed. You know, so he was a great rock to build from when you were trying to catch those things. Yeah, yeah. Dave's also a brilliant librarian, so he would say, uh, you know, he would produce a DAT tape and say to you, uh, last year on August the 3rd at quarter (laughs) past three in the afternoon, you did this. And he'd put it in, everybody would go, how the fuck does he know that? (laughs) And, you know, and this is what I'm after. I'm trying to recapture this. So, you you know, you did have that ability to just lay your hands on all those things that you decided were special. You'd got them all catalogued and in boxes and you knew where they were. And I I used to find that totally incredible. Because it's, I could never do that with a gun to my head. I couldn't do that. <laughs> H mentioned that at Par Street, you, you they'd find you in they'd find you mixing or doing whatever, and there'd be uh, Apocalypse Now running in the background. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, for weeks, constantly, twenty four seven. I mean, am I allowed to say that doesn't seem healthy? <laughs> uh, probably not. It has come up in therapy numerous times. <laughs> But uh, no, it, it's also, uh, I'm not sure why, but it, it does something. If you've got something constant and repetitive, uh, it gives you a line to follow in a bizarre way uh, when you don't, you're not really 100% sure where everything else is going. That always repeats itself. It always starts the same and ends the same, starts the same, ends the same, starts the same, ends the same. So you know that exists. Mm. Something, there is a finished version of something. And I know Apocalypse Now especially was a traumatic thing to make uh, in a lot of respects. And it, it, but it came together in the end. And it's sort of, it's just seeing that sort of reassures you that, oh, it will come together in the end. We will have an album in the end eventually. But <laughs> it's, it's a, uh, I think that's the reasoning behind it. <laughs> I'm not sure. It, it does seem somewhat <laughs> prophetic and part of folklore that it would that film playing in the background of this album, you know, in just in, in keeping with the darkness to a certain yeah, extent. Yeah, it certainly the... kept the level of background dark magic up, you know, after we'd moved out of out of um, the door doing into Liverpool, where, which yeah. isn't as naturally dark and, and magical. So the, the, the dark magical... You know, the sense of a kind of, um, I don't know, uh, the occult almost, really. Mm. Because it's quite an occult movie, isn't it, Apocalypse yeah. Now? There's a lot of and shades of, of the occult in it. Mm. Not, you know, not pentagrams and shit, but, but that sense of, of of a heart of darkness, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, but it's also fraught with the trauma of the people who took part in it, which I guess is what you're talking about. You think, well, if, if they manage to finish this... <laughs> <laughs> the least we can do is finish brain. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's fair. I think that's fair. So you get to the end, Dave. How, how ready were you for the break? Is that, is that just another bonkers question? Oh yeah, no, no, desperate really, because it's because of being away a lot. Uh, yeah, you sort of just lose touch with reality, which is partially deliberate anyway, because uh, music has got very little to do with reality, or making music has got very little to do with reality, I think. Uh, but yeah, but then I got sort of, uh, what was that? Yeah, so a wife and a home and stuff to go back to, and. Uh, before I forgot her name, you know, so it's like, uh, and I understood it was the same for the band as well. It's like, cause I'm not alone. Is it just me away from home? Everybody else is as well. And it, it has, that has got a cost and you can't switch it off because it's a, it is a critical factor in how people perform and play, you know, their mental state is important. So and it, uh, yeah. it was so much harder than pre pre FaceTime, pre Skype, pre internet. You oh know, God, yeah. there was one there was one phone in the kitchen, <laughs> you know, in the dark, which in a in an area that I personally was convinced was fucking haunted anyway. <laughs> and you'd, you, everybody would be queuing up, waiting to be allowed to phone home, you know, just to talk for fifteen minutes, thinking, Christ, what's this costing? You know, oh, and there was yeah, just yeah. that sense that any any attempt to touch the real world was was a struggle you know it wasn't straightforward no, no. but then it was a great there was a great moment one saturday i, I, I had it was sort of feeling a bit down so me and uh privet just drove to this was in in, in near Bordeaux, uh was it not bordeaux um Perigu. and it, yeah we drove to a mcdonald's and just had mcdonald's and i just ah oh, this is the real world. Five <laughs> minutes of it, and it's like, and then back to the chateau. But, All right, but that, that was a, a, a quite a rejuvenating moment. <laughs> Take me back to the foie fucking gras. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the chateau Lafitte. Yes, yeah, the bugger. Yeah. <laughs> the chateau left exactly. of Jesus Christ. <laughs> but then, no more McFlurries. It, it yeah. does make you wonder whether that album could be made now, simply because. I mean, of course, it technically could have been made. I don't mean that. The whole immersive nature of how you made the record clearly affected the record. You cut that level of immersion is very difficult to get now, because is it everything's just around you all the time, isn't it? I don't mean. I mean, how how much harder would it have been to put yourself in a place and truly cut yourself off? Whereas, to a certain extent, if there's only one phone, or if there's you know, you're already partly cut off anyway. Because the tech wasn't oh, there yeah, to keep yeah, you in, yeah. in, engaged, whereas now, yeah, I remember the, Steve, who was managing Marrower. He, I was talking to him one night, and he said, "I haven't re- read a newspaper for two years. <laughs> I don't know what's going on out there, because yeah. I decided that there kind of isn't any point. I spent half my life reading newspapers and brouhaha-ing and worrying about, you know, the." Palestinians and the Israelis or the government or this, that, or whoever's just been murdered or this. I can't do anything about any of it, and yet I know about it. And and I decided I wonder what life would be like if I didn't know about it. Mm. And I've sat in this castle now for two years, and as long as nobody comes over the wall with a gun, none of it need concern me. And I thought, well, I don't know what I think of that, but it's... It's an interesting attitude. Yeah. To, it's the attitude of a hermit, I suppose. Yeah. You just go and stand in a hole, <laughs> get away from everything. But helpful if you want to t- tell a fairly a fairly dark story, yeah. like you were telling. Well, if you don't want to be disturbed, yeah, and you don't want anything messing with your mind, then then that's the way to go. And and you've probably got a bit of a point that these days. 
Um, no matter where you go on earth, the first thing you ask for as you walk through the gate is, is have you got the Wi-Fi code? Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, although I've come here, I need to be everywhere, yeah. man. Yeah. Um, and we yeah. all need to be everywhere all the time. Okay. Uh, in those days, you, you couldn't. So moving on, and, we'll, and, and, and I'm conscious for time, so we'll, we'll try, try and get a few questions on. And I, I guess before we go any further, Dave, uh, we're not going to get anything like through what I wanted to get through. Are you oh, are you happy to come back on a different night? Not anytime soon, yeah, yeah, further yeah, yeah, down yeah, the yeah, line. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Because yeah. I'd like to talk a bit about, about AOS, but I'd like yeah. to talk about anorantophobia and talk about models oh, yeah. as well. So we, would you be happy at a, a, a point as yet to be determined to do this again? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Perfect. No You're a star. In which case then, Thank a couple you. of quick AOS questions. Um, but I mean, everything about AOS sounds and feels different to Brave. Um, yes, there's some dark um, things going on within the album, and there's and there's definitely you know there's a slight element of concept about it, and there's certainly a theme running through it. Mm. But in terms of the actual songs and the way they sound, it's a it's a different beast altogether. Was that always going to happen? Do you think post Brave was there always going to be that kind of reaction? Yeah, because because Brave was is was such a hard album to make. Uh, it leaves you with, um, from a technical point of view and from the band's point of view, it's going to leave you with a lot of questions of always oh, a word to, uh, uh, and your natural reaction is to do something almost completely different to what you've just done. Because hmm. then if you do something different, it won't be as painful. That's the sort of the logic. But, um, and it wasn't as painful, but there was something, it's a very special album and uh, it, it's hard to put your finger on it, but it's, um, it's a, it's a, it was a great trigger for the future, hmm. you know, where it opened up doors. Because it wasn't a, a sort of a continuation of Brave, it it showed a way that could be taken by the band, which was a combination of two worlds, whether it be the prog world or, or, or just basically music that is about something that matters. And that sort of became the factor that was important. Uh, it, it, it's that's what it is and um yeah but it it flowed naturally to be honest it it, it wasn't contrived that way no it just naturally went that it just way took on its own character yeah didn't it? yeah uh, 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 um, there was something of there was something of america in it even though Absolutely. it's not in any way american you know there's yeah, no yeah. american influences in it i mean beyond the kind of base black blues you know and everything yeah. that followed it um but the, it's not an american sounding album but it's got an american soul somehow even though it was made by a bunch of english guys yeah and it's, it's yeah and it's also so bizarrely it's, some of it has got sort of very autumn and summerish themes but a lot of it was recorded in winter i, me- I remember um afraid of sunlight and getting the vocal on that and the main take or whatever. But um, that was when we finally got the main take, it started to snow outside. I was afraid so, of sunrise, what we call Joni, the really, oh, yeah, the yeah, really yeah, yeah, sunny yeah. one. The really, it's all about heat and light. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was actually snowing. And I thought that was a good thing because I know from uh, the bands like the Eagles, who sort of, you know, had, had, you know, always sounded summery and warm and West Coast and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> they also recorded their albums in winter in Basing Street in Notting Hill. And it's like a lot of the albums were. And it's got, sometimes you need to be somewhere opposite because then you can sing about what you're missing, I think, or you can feel what you're missing more you emotionally. You can stand back and look at it rather than being inside it, like you're looking yeah, at a yeah. painting of, of, a, of, of what... That's yeah, a really yeah. good point. True. Or maybe you can... You can you can create something which is a romantic notion of something which which probably isn't really yeah. there and you if you go and if you go and be in the place you realize it's not really there but yeah, if you exactly. go away from it you can go ah oh, you know and you can create <laughs> the dream yeah yeah that's what and the you, Eagles did with Hotel and, California. They created that dream, didn't they? Of, of I mean, the the very essence of of LA and hmm. that lifestyle, life in the fast lane, and all of that. 
Yeah. And you're, you're certainly right about Afraid of Sunrise because that whole heat from the desert, the desert road thing, I mean, that just it just screams through that track. It, it, oh, yeah. It, the yeah, atmosphere's yeah. there. You know, in, in, in the first few moments, it's there and it just builds as you, you know, as you yeah. go through. Yeah, and also I remember at the time everybody was listening to things like, um, who was it? Nielsen, uh, the team music to Midnight Cowboy hmm. and, and things like... Uh, uh, George Hamilton and Wichita Lion Man, and those sort tracks were getting played around the record club. I remember, which co- kind of was a certain uh, area of of American music that was less popular in the public, probably. But boy, but it was always a strong when it came to mo- moods yeah. and pictures. Mm. So it was it was. Uh, I think it's some of it translated its way in is, is that uh, none of this, it has got big American influences, but there, none of them are, are sort of mainstream necessarily. You know, you have to go and look for the influences. Most of them are mood influences rather than oh, technically musical changes and things. Mm. Yeah. Um, and you must have, you must have really liked, I mean, cause obviously you've got, you know, you've got the Phil Spector thing going on in Bonji. You've got the, um, you know, the, uh, the Beach Boys thing going Cannibal. on in, in in Cannibal Surf, babe. I mean, that must have been really great to to to, to be able to try and because it's not oh, a pastiche yeah. in that respect, but it's it's a fond, it's it's a real fond kind of nod, isn't it, towards absolutely. And and you just you you just it's like you say it is a nod to it, but you're using it differently. Yeah, uh, you're taking them out of context and putting them into another context. Um. Yeah, and that that was there was a lot of fun to that because beyond you say isn't isn't what you would call a traditional specterish song, no. But the approach to it was, and it sort of it flourished from that. But it's taking the influence like from one thing and using it in 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 the wrong context almost, hmm. which then becomes beautiful in its own way. It, and and it captures some of the darkness of some of those you know you've got those spectre songs which have which have almost an an up tempo and a and a, and a brightness to them yeah. musically but then have a darkness lyrically yeah yeah um like to know him is to love him and things like that yeah yeah and and it and it really plays with that juxtaposition between the two things that you're listening to something certainly in the spectre sound which you think well it sounds upbeat but actually it's it, it's yeah, yeah. It, you know it's it's not yeah, um, but I think those moments on the, I mean, it's it's just, I mean, I don't know whether I don't know how you put it, but it it came together so quickly. There's there's very little written about it. Whenever anything comes, and you know, whenever there's reissues or the sleeve notes or there's articles, there's, yeah. there's very because everybody just sort of says, well, it, it just happened. It kind of just absolutely, happened. yeah. And I mean, I, I've racked my brains over the last few days trying to remember incidents and things, and it's I can remember the whole thing, but not fine details because it was a mood rather than anything else Mm. and everybody was on the same wavelength and things just fell into place really especially things like the the chorus change in gazpacho uh it when we finally found the the change because we were it was made up of jams and we've we finally found the one to make the chorus it just came so naturally Mm. especially from uh, rodri's point of view that um Oh, it's just, just. It might be hard work getting there, but it was when it happened. It sounded so easy, yeah. you mm. know, and it that was common through a lot of it. No, it's 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 amazing. I mean, uh, um, for a lot of Meridian fans, myself included, um, you know, the, the the albums that you that you worked on are the ones that that sit there as the marker albums. You know, for me, I mean, Braves a marker album for me. Afraid of Sunlight is is just an astonishing thing as far as as far as I'm concerned. But Anarachnophobia and Marvels as well both sit there as just they're they're somehow markers in the Merulian canon. Uh, you know, I would probably throw fear into that and say, right, well, they're they're everything yeah, else yeah. to a certain extent is is around these because these are where these are where not where the true magic happened. That sounds a little bit wanky mm. to be perfectly honest, but you know what I mean. They're they're, they're just really important points in time yeah uh, yes and, and i mean i didn't even, i didn't even realize that with um afraid of sunlight having finished it uh i didn't appreciate it for what it was it's only when i go back and listen to it i go oh mm. my god 
Yeah. I wish no, I could I... remember how we did it because some of it's really, really good. And it's like... I don't think we did. I think uh, I, I think it was some time later that I I thought that's the best thing we've ever done, and yeah. I didn't didn't think that as soon as we'd finished it. Absolutely, but yeah. as a as a collection of individual songs and the, and the, the 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 spectrum of influences and and feelings yeah. in it, it takes some whacking by by us or anyone. I think. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I think the final, I think that last, the, the final three songs on the album are possibly the best three songs on any album ever. Yeah, a bit. Well, that, if, if I should open a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> of course, not everybody's going to agree with me, but I, I, I just I that, that last three is. I, it's just, and it's not to say there's anything wrong with the five preceding them. I just think the three, the, that that roll from from. Sunlight through, I just think is astonishing. I just absolutely. What are the last three, Ant? On there, um, afraid, afraid, of afraid of sunlight beyond you and King. Oh, right. yeah, yeah, that's. Definitely. But they work so well of, because of what's come before them. I think. Hmm. You, they, they, if you didn't have what came before them, no, no, it builds it to that good, point. But hmm. it, it 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 all works together, and it's like because even like something like Cannibal Surfing should not fit into anyone's album, and. Uh, but it fits like a dream. Mm. Uh, it, 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 you know, it's like, because even when with the early stage, when I heard the lyric, the lyric was so good, but I thought, this can't be from Marillion though, surely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, but it, it, it has its total natural home in that place. And it, it yeah, it's, it's total Marillion. So, yeah, but that shocked me. Yeah. Well, particularly you know, because in reality, you shouldn't be able to go from Surf Babe to Beautiful. No. That doesn't make any sense at all, no. really, does it? No, none of it makes sense. <laughs> no. Probably because we weren't thinking to enough. I was probably guilty in some respects of doing to them, but doing it to myself, where I was letting things go by, yeah. uh, which were really, really good, and 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 yeah, and just letting it flow rather than trying to pull it back. I'm not. I'm not sure. It's 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 a whole mystery that album, hmm. and uh, a happy mystery, a very happy mystery. Yeah. Well, I think we'll leave it there. Um, because I'm actually quite, I like the fact that it's a happy mystery. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, it's actually quite nice for an album that's always meant so much to me. It's quite nice to be able to ask the questions and still not get the answers because yeah. that's maybe just how it should be. Yeah, because the the other albums are just so much easier to remember. And for some reason, sun, yeah, sun, you know, afraid of sunlight is like you say a mystery. <laughs> it's like somebody else did it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not not you don't mean that really it's not, it's not like frankie goes to hollywood well, where it really was somebody no, else no, who no, did no. it really. well actually <laughs> where someone else did it <laughs> when the band were away <laughs> yeah. let's not even speculate on that yeah you got the eagles in <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah well dave listen that's been brilliant and thank you for making making 60 uh, an absolute uh, an absolute treat, and and, and thank you for agreeing to come. Because I'd love to do exactly the same thing with you know with anarachnophobia and, and and marbles. Because I think as as Brave and AOS do actually have a conjoined story to a certain extent, then there's probably yeah. a similar sort of thing going on with absolutely with anarachnophobia and marbles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'd one be led like, to the one was like preparing for the other. Yeah, in, in respect. So. So that'll be that'll be uh, great. So thank you very much um, for, for finding the time. Um, H, it's been a pleasure as always. Can I finish this one with a joke? No, yeah, I'm go on old. then. Because <laughs> let's face it, there's not been a lot of our normal kind of irreverence. And <laughs> I have a ha- habit of doing that to people. Everything gets a bit down. No, it's and fine serious. because occasion- <laughs> occasionally for our corporate sponsors, we need to point to the fact we do something properly every once in a while. <laughs> what? Are, are you ready? Go on, then. What, Go on. What do you throw to a drowning guitarist? His amp. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the last thing he saw was a JC120. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was a cracker. That's good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> well thanks everybody for tuning in uh, thanks Dave um, thanks thanks uh, H and we will be back with you soon any words of wisdom H before we go <laughs> what, what something that beats that 
No, um, you're right. You're not going to beat that. No, in which case, can't we'll, beat that. <laughs> we'll we'll leave it as it is. Everybody, take care. We'll see you all soon. See you soon, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production. <laughs>